stay there. You know what? I believe that every single person on this planet can make a difference. And I believe that we all have something to offer, something that's so unique that it will change somebody else's life. I believe we all deserve to step into our true selves. And I believe that every single person needs to feel great about themselves. I want you to step into who you truly are and I want you to make a difference for somebody else and for yourself. And I don't think it's that hard. It's a matter of putting one step in front of the other and just taking action. And I'm interviewing guests that have done just that. I'm Karen Vaughan. This is the Get Off The Bench podcast. And here is where you can make that decision to make your life count. It all starts with you saying yes. Howdy, and welcome back to another week of the Get Off the Bench podcast. And this week we are talking veganism, and we're also talking about planting little forests and how anybody can do that. So we're really having this focus on uh, hey, you know what? We're all connected. We all need to be kind to each other. We all need to uh, be kind to animals. We need to be kind to the planet. Any other species that we trash or anything that we trash in nature, we're actually trashing ourselves in the, in the process. And um, I'm so anyway, I am talking to Amelia Lease, and she is based in London and she's absolutely bloody fantastic human being um, doing her bit to educate she's the author of think like a vegan which is also a podcast and she is rebuilding a whole forest in scotland so this is a this is a wonderful conversation i'm probably going to piss you off at some point in there but you know what who cares let's just enjoy it let's just listen let's just think about other things and 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 start to think beyond ourselves and go wow i didn't realize that impacted that so that we can have a really good planet for all of us to live on. So let's just get into it. So welcome, Amelia. Thank you so much, Karen. It's really lovely to be here. And thank you so much for having me on. Oh, it's my absolute pleasure. I can't wait to get into the nitty gritty of it. It's um, I love what you're doing. You're the author author of Think Like a Vegan, podcast host of Think Like a Vegan. You speaker on a speaker on vegan ethics. And you write blogs on life, travel, and veganism and all that stuff. The thing that's thrown a wheel in my little spanner is you're a corporate finance lawyer on top of all this. And so kind of a little bit out of place. One of these things just doesn't belong. Can you guess which thing? Anyway, and also you are rewilding the Scottish Highlands. And I absolutely love all those things. I don't know about being a lawyer, but anyway, I love all the rest of it. So um, thank you for joining us, and I want to dig deep on all of that stuff. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be fun. <laughs> Except the lawyer <laughs> bit. We're not going to talk about that shit, all right? So we'll... no, that's, that's completely fine because that's less fun. <laughs> exactly. So. That just pays the bills. The other stuff's changing the world. That's what we <laughs> care about. So you, you've got this um, book sitting up behind you, Think Like a Vegan, and the podcast Think Like a Vegan. What does it actually mean when you when you use that slogan, think like a vegan? What does that mean to you? That's a really interesting question. So maybe let me just take a little step back. So when when uh, my friend and co-author uh, Eva and I decided to to put together a book, we we did so because we wanted to create a tool for people to 
teach themselves about veganism to help them think through the various issues and then and whether they were vegan or not to do that um irrespective of where where they were on on that ethical choice um and so when we were thinking about the book title the fact that we were helping people think things through and it being a tool that's how the the title that's how we came up with the title and think like a vegan it's it's you know we all know you know being vegan we don't eat animal products we don't eat animal flesh secretions so forth we we don't wear wear animal products on our on our bodies uh, and and don't go to zoos and and then do whatever we can so that we don't use animal products but all of that that little definition has a whole host of things that goes into it so I find that thinking through all those pieces, putting it all together in a cohesive way um, is really helpful. It was really helpful for me uh, when I went vegan 10 years ago. And and it's really helpful to, to be able to sustain being vegan, to continue to like, advocate for veganism, educate myself and others on the various issues the connected issues because i think everything is connected i think yeah. uh, uh you know veganism as a social justice uh, practice is connected to everything because it affects everything yeah. and and so so that's the thing when you are when you are being vegan you also have to think like one in in that you have to think about all of the things surrounding it and and everything that goes into it and all the whys so it's not just the how but it's it's the why and i find once you know the why you can then apply it to your life in so many different ways and i think mm. that's that's and 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 that was our intent when we wrote the book and um so it it, it really was fortuitous that we ended up thinking about the title think <laughs> you know so <laughs> i love it. but you know it's true that m- most of us most humans don't think do you know we we've sort of um we we've become really really entrenched in convenience convenience what can i have quick you know what what can i do fast you know what serves me now that kind of stuff and it's it's i don't think we do put a lot of thought into as a species, I'm talking about, not as individuals, you know, but it's thinking like there's a Margaret Mead, she's a great, great writer. And she said, we should teach kids how to think, not what to think, you know. And I think the art of teaching people how to think is sort of, it shouldn't be, but it's somewhat off to the left, you know, and 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 this what to think sort of just um, overrides everything else. So I love, I love that you're trying to instill that, you know, think, just think a bit deeper, think a bit harder, think about the extent, think about the offshoots, think about the ripple effect, you know, that kind of stuff. And I, I don't think people, do, I, don't, I don't think it's common to think of all the offshoots. I, I I agree. I mean, I think there's a lot of, um, you know, knowing 
knowing how to think is also a dangerous practice because then you'll say, hey, wait a second, this isn't right. Mm-hmm. Or hey, wait a second, um, what you're trying to do, or what you're trying to sell me or what you're trying to make me do, um, that that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's both freeing because you can look at things in different ways. And it's also, um, but it's also um, a dangerous thing because you'll say no, mm-hmm. or, or you'll say yes to something else. So, mm-hmm. um, so it, it, you know, and I, and I think there's also, you know, people have, have limited time. I mean, we live in a very um, demanding world mm-hmm. um, with, with lots of things being thrown at us all the time, as you said. So, you know, we're always sort of reacting to everything and we have to do everything quickly and efficiently. And yeah, sometimes yeah. efficiency, it's uh, it doesn't give you enough time. Yeah. And it doesn't always give you the best results. In fact, it rarely gives you the best results. But um, why did you become vegan 10 years ago? You know, I go, I go into it in, in, the, in the book, so I'm pretty open about it. Um, and really, it was uh, understanding dairy. And um, I started thinking about it because we were going through, my partner and I, my husband and I were going through uh, IVF treatment. And being at the doctor's office, they were lovely, very nice. It just gave me these weird you know, I had a lot of time to think, you know, you have these appointments, you have to take all this medication, all this stuff. And so one day I just was like, wait, wait a second. Cows are mammals. Mammals have to give birth to lactate. Why has this never occurred to me before? And then I saw myself, you know, sitting there making these choices these reproductive choices with complete sort of human privilege impunity mm-hmm. whilst taking away babies and exploiting females of other species for for their products mm-hmm. and not just females males females are are super exploited in in the dairy industry um but that's a lot less talked about it's even less talked about yeah, yeah. so that um struck me sort of like I can't believe I never thought of this I it's not like you know I'm not mm-hmm. a teenager that that's just yeah. suddenly you know and and really that was it um once I thought of that once I understood that in it, it, I was I was done it was immediate it was overnight I'm like mm-hmm. nope I can't do this yeah the end yeah and that was it um I, I couldn't I couldn't call myself a feminist and do that i couldn't say oh you know i want fairness and justice in the world and then do that mm. those the the realization of that and the realization of what i was doing just so that i could have cheese no mm. so that was it so when you when you talk about um you know i couldn't be a feminist you know you know like the the the, the alignment to veganism and feminism tell, tell me more about that you know, I mean, I use it as an analogy. It's not, you know, I, I don't want to make, and I want to be very careful about making direct yeah. uh, comparisons yeah. uh, between human-related issues and non-human animal-related issues. Yeah. But I want to use those concepts and those challenges that these 
these issues pose to us as something that I can learn from and apply to other contexts. Yeah. So, you know, if, if I don't, so if I look at feminism, I say, okay, well, um, human women shouldn't be exploited or human people really shouldn't mm. be exploited and shouldn't be exploited for, for their um, reproductive products and for their bodies. Well, wait a second. If I want that for me, why can't I want that for everyone? Mm. So in, including non-humans. Yeah. You know, like what, why wouldn't I? Um, so, but I, but I think we do have to be, be careful, you know, making it's the lessons we learn from thinking about these issues. How do we then apply them in other contexts? And I think that's the really important thing Mm. because sometimes we then can water down both if we just mix them together. Although, although you say, well, you maybe, maybe somebody or one of your listeners might say, well, you know, what really, what difference does it make? It does make a difference. It may, it may be a subtle difference and it may be um, a fine point, but it, I think it's worthwhile um, thinking about it in that way, you mm. know, because you don't want to, you don't want to feel, let, you don't want to alienate um, anyone either. Yeah, so. that's a problem, isn't it? Because I was um, hardcore vegan and hardcore animal rights, you know, and I used to go in really hard, you know, and and be quite aggressive about it. And 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 I did used to alienate people, and I did used to piss people off, you know. And and it wasn't doing the cause any good. And then then I started going, started just not talking about, it and just started living by example, you know. And that that really. Um, people started asking questions do you, you know and and that was that was I can't say that I'm perfect all the time it's, it's you know I, I still falter but um you know it's it, it the, the fact that people can ask questions and you can lead by example and then you get the chance to actually talk about it and you get the chance to say stuff you know like the like the cows um in dairy a lot of people say to me and and it's it's you know I get it I get why they haven't made the connection but well, the cows are all right. They're fine. All they do is get milked. It's the it's the poor beef cattle, you know, that they the poor buddy things are just eating grass and next thing they get turned into hamburgers. And the cows are doing fine. And I'm like, and I don't want to be too graphic on the podcast in case someone's going to turn someone's, you know, heart inside out. But it, but it's it's really bloody dairy is really bloody cruel. Really bloody cruel. And yeah, because, as you said, they cannot produce milk without being pregnant, and they're not—they're um, being being raped and impregnated by machines and God, all sorts of bloody awful things. And if it was happening to a human, we would be um, we would be up in arms about it. And and the, the I'll just say it: the boy cows, the little boys, um, they get a lot of them get thrown live into a bloody mincer. So if if I'm just going to say that I'm, I'm you know I hate hate to even think about it, but people people don't know that happens. You know, it's, I'm not saying all of them, but the little boys are treated like utter shit, and and it, cruelly like some some uh, yeah I won't go you know stomped on the head bashed bashed to death God knows what because they're not worth anything, and I think if we know that how can we once we know it we've got to go 
whoa, well, hang on a minute, hang on a minute. Look, I, I yeah. didn't, I didn't know that. That no, surely not. And even if you don't believe me, read, get on the internet and 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 have a bit of a look and just go, shit, that really does happen. I can't freaking believe it. And 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 you can say, and people have said to me, but they're just friggin' animals. Who gives a shit? They're, 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 and I'm like, they're sentient beings and, and they have emotions and they feel. So and they're like, oh, bullshit. They're just bloody eating grass. They don't give a shit. But I've I've owned pet cows and I have pet cows now and oh. rescue cows. I've got four rescue cows right now. And I know for a fact, that they have emotions I know for a fact that they think and work things out and that they have friendships in fact a lot of people don't know that female cows that cows have a best friend in the herd so that when we're separating them we're actually say it's like the holocaust and I know I'm getting quite graphic and quite pissed off but it's actually like the holocaust when we're just you know culling and all that kind of stuff so I don't want to get too deep into it because um otherwise people are going to say to me fucking hell I'm not going to listen to your podcast anymore but <laughs> but <laughs> you know um I think well getting pissed off is is there's nothing wrong with that and and everybody has to do the activism in however way they feel like doing it and sometimes just existing as a vegan as I always say is activism enough if that's where you're at and that's what you want to do and that's fine um I think a lot of people also feel you know when they hear about the treatment they say well can't we treat them better and it's like well no it doesn't it, it, it you can't there is no other there is no other way and it's not about treatment because you could treat somebody as nicely as possible but at the end of the day you're extinguishing their life and mm -hmm. and extinguishing someone's life is something that we as humans take extremely seriously and across all traditions and cultures and political views and so forth so you've got to think about that um and and you know um yeah, there's there's a lot of gendered violence um, in uh, in animal agriculture in general. I mean, both in for for and against. I'm not sure what the word would be uh, males mm -hmm. and females of of the species, and it's really um, it's really um, uh, it's really hardcore. Um, you know, and and there will be people who just say, you know, what, I don't care. But people say that about a variety of things. They say that about things that affect humans and people and us and, and so many of us. Um, they and, and that's a reality too. Sometimes there are people who just don't care. And that's how it is. Um, it, I'm not going to say it's fine. It is what it is. But, um, yeah. you know, you just try to find, you just try to find those people who, who, who are going to care. And, um, and, and, you know, when we, when we look at animals and when we look at people, we all have different ways of existing. And some of us like to be outgoing and, and are extroverted. And some of us are very introverted. Some of us have different ways of perceiving the world and the way our, our brains function. And, and that whole spectrum and the, the human 
existence exists mm -hmm. for, for animals as well. So some mm -hmm. of them are really smart. Some of them really aren't. Some of them are really cute. Some of them aren't. Some of them are rare. Some of them aren't. And none of those things really matter. Those are like all outside things, just like they would be outside external things for, for each of us yeah. as people. And But the fundamental thing is that, that we are alive and we are experiencing our life as ourselves. Yeah. So just that experience itself, that's all we need to say, oh, wait a second. They want the same things we do to just like live. Yeah unbothered unmolested uh, you know leave us alone i'm good <laughs> you yeah. know and and that's it so when we like take a step back and and look at things in that way it it, it simplify it not because we're stripping away the complexity because there are loads of complexities but mm -hmm. when we strip that away and we look at it even just from a person perspective like all of those things all those things are all external stuff it doesn't mean that this person doesn't have the right to live, mm. yep. it, you know, and, yep. and, and that apply that to animals as well. But as you said, some people don't care. And that's, that's, that's that, that's the way it is. Yeah. It's not, think, it's not I fun. But. I think people don't, I think some people don't get close enough to animals to actually, I think once you look into an animal's eye, and into their eyes, you know, you 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 can't hurt them. It's um, you wouldn't you wouldn't murder your golden retriever. Well, some people would. That's the problem. But you you wouldn't um, you know. And maybe you just haven't had an experience with a cow. Do you know? Maybe you haven't been close to a goat. Maybe you haven't. You know that sort of stuff. But you know, something that you said in there that I think it was two things. The when you talk about some people are introverts and extroverts, you know, I've had so many species of animals and I can tell you there are extroverts and introverts of every species of animal and they've all got their own personalities and they've even got different different barks, different moves, different, you know, different way they run when they get excited about food. Like it's it's really, really, if you spend enough time watching them, you know, you, you, you can see like your pussycat on the screen. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Sorry. <laughs> That's right. Everything yeah. has got, um, you know, their own personality. Oh, uh, totally. So my, my cat, I have two cats and they're brothers and from the same litter. They are completely different, completely different from one another. They, and uh, exactly as you said, they have different, they get excited about food in different ways. Yeah. They like different things. They are, one is definitely an extrovert. The other one is definitely an introvert. Yeah. They're completely different. And, you know, and yet they're brothers. Yeah. I had and, chickens. And, oh, gone. Sorry. Yeah. No, no, please tell me about chickens. I love, I, you know, <laughs> I don't have chickens around me, but I'm fascinated by chickens. I, I had, had chickens and, and oh, just, the, the fox in in the end, we the foxes just started getting so bloody hungry, do you, you know, and and they yeah. they came in and got them. But but I used to have multi, many chickens, like well, I say many, maybe eight at a time, do you know, and they were so funny, like they were just so funny. Do you, they were all rescued from the chicken farm, you yeah. know, and, and they were just um, they they. Like, like they, they reckon you exactly what you're saying. One of them used to come up, come inside, 
and get up on my wall unit and there was a picture of a photo of a cat and it used to get up there and talk to the cat, you know, and it just, the minute it would, you'd open the door, it would run in and it would jump up on the wall unit and start talking to the cat and, you know, having this great big conversation, flap into this cat photo. And another one used to get up on the buddy bench and pick at all the fruit and veggies and try and steal them and actually used to try and would look at me and then run. And I used to have this little duck and and it would come for a walk around the paddock. I'd say, come on, come on, dogs, come on, cats, come on, baby duck. And, and it'd go, wah, 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 and run around the paddock after me. I had two goats, two dogs, and a duck used to run around the paddock after me. And and it used to, I would say, right, I time for bed, and it would run and hide under my bed so I couldn't put it, I couldn't put it in its bed at night. And as soon as I said bed, it would go, wah, 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 and I would run under my bed and hide from me. And, and you know, like people people don't see these things. Do you, you know? It's um, they're so anyway. Anyway, I, I love this stuff. Now, the other thing I wanted to say to you just before I forget, you were talking about activism, and I love this. I, you know, many years ago, I figured out that it's like a square, and there's four corners, and there's activism, education, advocacy, and agitation. Agitator, you know, like you know what? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Like an agitator. I can't think of the word. I'm actually now. I can't think of the word I'm trying to use. But really agitating. Yeah, yeah, agitating. You know, like really, Hmm. really upsetting. And I think there's a place for all those four things. You know, some people go, well, you know what? I'm just going to be quiet about it, but I'm going to educate. I'm going to write a book. I'm going to talk about it gently. Others are out on the picket lines. Yeah, agitating. You know, like blah blah blah. Others are saying, well, you know what, I don't think it's right, so I'm going to advocate and blah, blah, blah. And I think it's 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 knowing it's knowing that all four are great. And to be a to be a vegan activist, you don't have to be on the picket lines, you know, and upsetting people. And you know the thing that changed me actually is I was in town uh with an animal rights group in I was in the city handing out brochures, you know, just 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 mm-hmm. Passively, I was doing it, just hoping someone might take it and read it and, you know, blah, blah. But I was with this guy who was with the same group as us and he handed something to someone and they said, oh, no, thank you. And he followed them up the road, abusing the hell out of them. And it was, right in that moment, I put my flies down. I said, I'm not, I'm not doing this anymore, Do you, you know, because it, it just made us all look like raving bloody lunatics. Do you, and I just, that was when I thought, I've got to find a better way. I've got to find a better way to do this. And it's such a shame, you know, such a shame. That's a it's a tough one, but it, it, you know that works for for that that person for for whatever even reason. It's a in some ways it's also a form of self expression, where you're you're yeah. getting your own frustrations and sorrow, and uh, I don't want to I, I can't think of the word not not desperation, but you you know you're you're just the yeah. tragedy of it the the yeah. the the overwhelming numbers and the over it's a it's it's a lot Mm. you know it's a lot to contain in a in a body (laughs) in a brain so you know it does also i think become a self a a sort of self-expression um and 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 i've come along a long way in thinking about this and and i agree with you It, it all fits somewhere on on that that square I completely agree with you. Wherever you are, find 
the thing that you can do, whatever that is. It, even if, even if, as I said, like even if you're just existing, because if you're the only vegan in the office and you bring your food every day, or you're like, oh hey, look at this, look, you're you're gonna start conversations. People are gonna say, oh, I know a vegan. Oh yeah, I met. You know, once I had some person come after me with a brochure and yell at me, but this person's different. Yeah, oh, that's true. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, but yeah, but I, I would have, I would have done the same mode of like, okay, this is, this is not for me. Um, but I can also understand if I put myself in the shoes, perhaps of how this person was feeling, it's a lot. It's a frustration. And you got to get it out. Yeah. It's a frustration. That's it. That's yeah. the, that's the word yeah. is the frustration and the extent and the magnitude of it. Um mm. So I get it. And, um, you know, and the, the thing we worry about, you know, to make us, you know, when we look at ourselves as vegans, because you said, you know, makes us all look bad. It's because there's not enough of us, right? So so people will meet like a couple of vegans who are like, oh, I met a vegan once and I hated them. And it's like, oh, wow, you, you loved everyone else you have met in your entire existence. Like amazing. <laughs> You've liked everyone, which is great. It's great. Fantastic. I love that for you. Uh, that's not necessarily what's happened to me in my life, but hey. Um, but because there's just not enough of us, you know, people don't get a full spectrum necessarily of yeah. all of us. Yeah. Um, so and to me, that's why it's like important to make more of us. One of the many reasons, yeah. you know, one of the many reasons, obviously. Um, but the more of us are there and the more of us feel that we can speak and, and we can we can express our veganism in whatever way. Um, I think that's that's great. Mm. You know, the more the better, and then more and more people and and a variety of people to to show, you know, the human experience isn't isn't just yeah one thing. Yeah. And, yeah, I agree. You know? Now you talk about you talk about um veganism can protect us from um novel viruses in the future. I don't know, say that novel, no, novel, you know, viruses in the future. Tell me Not about yet. that. Yeah. So, you know, one of the interesting things uh, that that came out of COVID and we, we everybody learned the word zoonosis and um, and everyone's like, oh, you know. These diseases that jump from non-human animals, they, they mutate and then they jump into human animals. And that happens in a variety of ways. Yeah. And, you know, we call them novel now. But what I found interesting was like, wait, hold on, peeps. We have had this. We have had zoonotic diseases since 10,000 years ago when we yep. started our our in extreme proximity to animals. Mm. So instead of letting them be free, run around in the forests, we started farming them and we started changing humanity into what we know it today. So animal agriculture more or less started about 10,000 years ago. And about 10,000 years ago, we started getting all sorts of new diseases. But from basic things, not just flu, like as in all flus, 
every flu you want to you, you you think you have the flu you whatever all of that all of the that originated from proximity to animals it's a zoonosis um but also like the um quote-unquote childhood diseases that we have mm-hmm. and people are like oh you know and actually interestingly my uh my editor when we, he was looking at our our draft and there was a passage in there like including that i said something like including childhood diseases because i talk about it at, at a later point in the book and he said yeah but they're just childhood diseases as if like no big deal just kids get them and they're ha ha la la no big but i'm like no no hold on a second childhood diseases like uh, measles for example um those come from animals they're still with us today and they're very serious they're Mm. so serious they're called childhood diseases because you if you didn't survive them you didn't leave childhood because you died yeah you you know and so we forget you know so each one we forget about all the other ones and we have loads and loads of them tuberculosis uh, uh a variety of others um and so the more intensely we farm animals the and the, the more intensely we destroy their habitats which we're doing both of those things mm. the more we're going to encounter pathogens that are in the in the wild and in in amongst uh, uh, animals outside of 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 the farming world and the the more chances we have of them coming into our world into our sphere and doing some serious damage to us Mm. and you you know and then of course you've got the conditions that when you have intensive farming you have all the animals that are very close to one another and that makes things that much worse and obviously pathogens spread yeah through proximity, air, spittle, variety of, of ways, uh, blood, obviously, um, and um, so 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 the the chances of of us creating newer and newer zoonotic diseases increases the more and more we farm intensely, destroy habitats. But I want to go back a little bit. Because I don't want to focus too much on farming intensely, because this is what we're doing now. But I want to take us back to ten thousand years ago when all of this really started. They weren't farming intensively. They yeah. they were they had the classic mom and pop farms. They were small farms, and even from the small farms, these diseases came out. How quickly they spread—that's the difference. So. What we're doing now just intensifies everything. We have intensified the number uh, of animals. We've intensified destruction of of natural of their natural spaces um, and forests and so forth. Environments we've polluted environments at a much higher and higher rate and, and much faster. So then diseases spread faster. We travel and and so so it's the magnitude of things mm. and the scale that has changed, but not so much the concept. So you've got the zoonotic diseases. And then you also have um, uh, uh, antibiotic resistance. Animals on farms are given a tremendous amount of antibiotics. The more, and you know this from from existing in the world, 
the more you take antibiotics, the more likely you are to become immune to them. And you can't, you can't, they are not going to work on you as much. So then you have things that are coming, coming up like MRSA um, and and certain strains of bacteria that are um, uh, completely immune. They've changed, they've mutated and they're like, oh yeah, we know that penicillin. Yeah. Yeah. That's not going to have any effect on me. I've changed. And you know, they can deal with that. So the more we put antibiotics in our system, again, at really high rates like we do, because they're just, again, the animals are getting sick on these farms. They're all together. Imagine if that many people are together in a small space. Again, we don't, we, we can take the lessons we've learned from our experiences as people and apply them. So you put that many people and that many animals, that many creatures, I don't care what creature, together in that small space, Mm. you're going to get a variety of things that can happen. So that's another reason we need to move away from, uh, we need Mm. to stop farming animals. Um, And, you know, because this has been with us for a long time and we've not looked at it. We only look at it when, when we have the big crisis, which, Mm. you know, COVID was the most recent, but, um, you know, we've had these crises all our our existence as as humans in a in an agricultural uh, mm-hmm. culture. Well, we don't look at them either because it's convenient not to. And we have to chat. We we we're, it's more convenient yeah. to ignore it. And something you said there about um, you know, we're becoming antibiotic resistant. The, the more antibiotics we take, and some people might listen and go, "But I'm not taking any antibiotics," but the truth is every time you're eating eating an animal, eating meat that's had antibiotics, there that that's going into your system. Do you and I think that I think that we often forget that sometimes we're buying a sick cow. Sometimes we're buying a yeah. sick chicken. Do you know and 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 they're yeah. not they're not culled like I think that there's a bit of a, a misconception that every chicken that comes through for you to buy is a healthy chicken but they're not they just get run through the ringer and you're always going to get sick ones in there and you're eating that sickness do like you're eating rotting flesh but you're also eating the sickness that that is is in that energy of that body and i i think that we forget that i think that we we forget what we're ingesting and how it changes our cellular system you know yes absolutely huge it, it's huge but but also if you know if you're if you know through our actions we've we've allowed these changes in in mm. bacteria and so forth um that's going to affect us because mm. whether we eat the animals or not if we get sick from that thing that is immune to the antibiotic even if we've never eaten if we since even if we've been vegan from birth yeah we're potentially exposed to some really serious pathogens yeah. so so this isn't something that affects just some people it affects it can affect every single one of us the mm. thing is we are absolutely all connected by all of this none of us is spared yep. we are and, and and i think you know it goes back to something we were saying earlier too we have this illusion that that 
you, you know, it's just us or, mm. you, you know, this X and Y isn't going to affect me. Mm, no, it, mm. it, it may affect you more or less or it, again, yeah. differently, like the yeah. magnitudes and different things. But but you're not going to get away. You know, yeah. you, you you know, you might get lucky and get away with it. But I mean, you know, it's a potential. It's a potential that's out there. Um, mm. So, you know, you can't say, oh, well, I only eat organic and therefore I'm fine. No, you're also no because organic animals also get medication and, yeah. and antibiotics and so forth. But yeah. but it doesn't it doesn't matter. It, yeah. it doesn't matter. And and you know when we're talking also about um, animal farming and how it contaminates water, for example, and water sources in the U.S. There have been many E. coli outbreaks that have come from vegetables and particularly certain types of uh, lettuces like romaine lettuce, because the romaine lettuce farms, the fields are basically right down the road um, from the animal farms and the runoff and everything else. Well, you know, where do you think the, the water is the water? Yeah. You know, the shitty, and then the it, shitty water. Pretty much. <laughs> and, and here we go. And so here you are, you're like, hey, I'm just gonna have a salad. Yeah. Well, well guess what? <laughs> you know, your salad may be contaminated. Mm. You know, for in it through through that or through other it through other ways and packaging and, and how they're packaged as well. But again, there is a water component and you have these waterborne pathogens that come from the 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 pollution from animal agriculture so you know these all these things don't just happen in a void they affect everyone Mm. um and and i think that's the really important you, you know looking at things through a lens of it's not just happening over there it's not just happening to them it is happening to us. It is happening mm. to where we all live. And, and, and in a way, I, I would love for that sentiment to become much more how we view the world and how we try to make change and, mm. and how we try to make our, our existence better yeah. for all of us, yeah. not some of us. But even if we took veganism out of the picture, so so let's say someone's listening and they say, "Well, I don't care." I'd, okay, well then, if my lettuce is 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 contaminated, I'm just going to eat the cow. Screw the bloody! Oh, screw the veganism! I don't want to eat the lettuce because that's worse. But even if you took ve- veganism out of the picture, what I think is critically important, exactly what you're talking about, is that the, the just the mentality and the knowledge and and the the ethics, I guess, or just the the I'm trying to think of the word. Um, just the 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 thought process that is wrapped up in. I can't actually think of the word. Just that 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 thought that we are all connected. So it's not just like all humanity is connected. All humanity and animals are connected. All humanity, nature's humanity, animals nature the planet the waterways the the space like if we can actually grasp maybe that's the word i'm thinking of the concept that every everything is connected and 
and and I'll go as far as to say we're all just energy. Some people get that, some people don't get that. You know, we but if you can at least accept that it's possible that we're all just energy and we're all connected, we're all part of each other, everything is connected, then you can start to go, fuck, if if I'm not looking after that. So if you're just a self-serving prick, I don't care about anybody else in the world. I just I just care about me and you can all get stuffed. Everything can get stuffed. I'm going to go out in the bush and I'm just going to shoot every goddamn walking thing that I find and I'm going to piss in the river and I'm going to do all that kind of stuff that I want to do because I don't really give a shit. You're actually shitting on yourself. Like, you, 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 you know, you're, <laughs> you're doing the dirty on yourself. But... Well, exactly. I mean, we're not, you know, and it's this is something that we we try to that we talk about when we we also talk about rewilding. We're not separate from the wild. We're not separate from nature. We are part of it. Uh, How we are is an expression of nature. And and just because we may live in a city or we may live, you know, doesn't disconnect us. Yeah. from nature we feel we might feel we're disconnected or we might believe we're disconnected but there is no such thing i mean you know the air is the air yeah and 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 it, it absolutely everything everything is connected and everything affects yeah. um and, and again that that drive to atomize us to become more productive and buy more stuff and make more money and mm. and work more hours you know um that very much is a is a uh one of those things that kind of makes you think you're separate but yeah but we're not at, at all no and and you know what even just the whole climate change issue I, i'm i get snooty as snooty as hell about this it, that's just a perfect example that we think many humans think they're separate you know and think that well that's okay i'll just i've got plenty of money and that's okay you know it'll go away uh, this happens every 10 years blah 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 we're absolutely screwing ourselves over mother nature is saying you humans can go fuck off because i'm just going to wipe you out i'm going to keep wiping you out because you, you're just destroying me you know you're destroying the planet and and that's what will happen I think we need to actually understand that nature is so much stronger than us there was a, there's a biologist Jonas Salk I don't know if you've ever heard of him and yeah. he says he says you know if if if, if humans were gone from the planet, it would take only 50 years, you know, which is a, such a small amount of time in the long scheme that 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 nature would completely repair itself, completely be repaired. 50 years, that's all. That's how strong it is. But if you took nature out of our humanity, out of human existence, we've got, we'll take the bees away and we've got four years. Do you, you know, so yeah, we, we, yeah. we can't survive without nature. Nature can survive without us. Nature just thinks, piss off. <laughs> stop, stop. Because trying. it doesn't mean. It, well, exactly. I mean, it, it doesn't, we don't control it. And and yep. we are part of it. So the the effects of it. I mean, it's cause and effect. I mean, it's pretty linear. And well, yep. it, in a very basic way, obviously, it's yep. not yep. not linear. But yep. um, it, it, you know, I mean, if we're gonna do it, it you know, it's fuck around and find out. Well, at, at the most basic, yep. you, you know, if if we're if we're consequences, actions, consequences, and then we 
we live with those. And we do that on a daily basis, little to thin things. And yeah. why would we think that that that's different on a grander scale? Um, and it, 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 it you know, um, I mean, to some extent, you, you know, I, I understand the, the not wanting to think about it because it's big it's well it's big and also forces us to face our mortality which uh, modern societies at least in the west are completely unequipped to do um you know we just don't do it yeah so these are big things that that we're talking about and that we are facing that uh we're just not we just don't do anymore you know and 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 i think in 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 past uh, in in the past and in, in, in maybe in an ancient past we dealt with that differently we dealt mm. with with our our mortality differently and maybe if we had some of those skills and worldviews although they are completely alien to us you know maybe we would we would be able to deal with these big major existential problems in a different way mm. I don't know but I think we need to think about them I do too, and and when you're do- you're talking about um, cause and effect, everything, everything, everything in the universe, everything, us, everything is is based on quantum physics, and and it's cause and effect hundred percent. You know, like you can't that we are just quantum physics, and if you know, go and look at not you, but you know, look look at that, and that's every freaking thing we do. Everything we do, ripple effects to everything. Now, talking about nature, because you, you know, you and I, we've been we've been down our little rant rave. But nature, I absolutely love nature. So you are um, rewilding the Birchfield Highlands in uh, Scotland. Now, by the way, people are going to be listening to you, um, and you sound American. Uh, you live in London, and you're rebuilding the forest in in Scotland. So, um, and and you're born in Italy. So you're you're a bit of a bitzer, but it's bloody fantastic. Can I'm just... a patchwork for sure. <laughs> so I I definitely have an American accent. I lived in the U.S. for a very long time. I studied there. I worked there. I've been living in the U.K. for a very long time, a couple of decades, in fact. Um, and I grew up in Italy as well. I live half the year in London and half the year in the Highlands in Scotland. So yeah, you know, so there we go. That's, that's beautiful. No, but that's beautiful because it's 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 just removing that insular part. You know, it, it's kind of like, well, I care about all the bits of the world. I, I just, I love it. Anyway, that's irrelevant, but I just love that. Um, you <laughs> just tell us about this Birchfield Highlands because, and and what you're doing is, well, I don't know what you're doing is replanting it, replanting it, or whatever. You tell us about it, but why there? You know, like tell us tell us the story about it. I will tell you the story because, of course, everything's kind of kind of happenstance and luck. Um, so, so the, I'll tell about the, the project first. So, it's a hundred acres in the in the Highlands, just south of Loch Ness, um, and uh, it used to be a small commercial forestry uh, with a, a variety of. of uh, pine species, particularly spruce, which are uh, fast growing um, and they grow very straight. They're they're um, planted very close to one another. There are some patches of still what's called native forest uh, uh, that of trees that would uh, just naturally be there. Spruce pines uh, are, uh, are Sitka spruce are a variety of trees that grows in Scandinavian countries naturally. Mm. And 
so about I don't know about seven years ago or so we we went to hear a talk um, by a chap by the name of Alan Watson Featherston, who was uh, who is the founder of a of a charity called um, Trees for Life, and he he said you know he said you know for the past thirty years at the time uh, I, I've been I've been replanting the Caledonian forest just by planting trees as as we go along and so forth and we thought that was amazing and uh, my husband said well why don't we do something like that I'm like oh okay why don't we that sounds good so we started looking around for a place where we could plant a bunch of trees eventually we found Birchfield and it fit all the various it ticked all the various boxes it had a river it wasn't too uh it wasn't too tightly packed of a forest there were patches of of original forest or original caledonian forest and so forth so we're like okay this is good so at first we thought we were only going to plant trees but then as we started learning about what was on the ground we had various surveys including working with alan watson featherston uh, who who did a survey on uh, on on the native species and what would have been there and along with we then started collaborating with uh, a number of other organizations uh, ACOM Lifescape Project and University of Cumbria we started learning all these different things and all various things that we could do so planting trees was it became one part mm -hmm. of what we were going to do um so then we started thinking about, oh, well, gosh, we found that there's a peat bog on site and that peat bog, nobody knew that was there and it had been planted on. And uh, so we said, oh, my goodness, so we should restore the peat bog. And in fact, that's something we started to do just recently. The volunteers from ACOM were up there a few weeks ago and they started um, to dam up certain section of of ditches that were carrying the water away from the peat bog so eventually yeah. in however many years you know you get that process going but again we have to find out all this stuff because we could have said oh look there's empty land there let's just plant some yeah. trees yeah. so what we wanted to do was slow things down and and and, and do it systematically of course it was also very lucky that my husband was working at the time with some folks he said hey um we've got this piece of land can we do something interesting and one of the chaps he was working with his name is chris and he was working for acom at the time which is this big infrastructure company um and he said i actually want to uh, i'm an expert in natural capital accounting and i would really like to show natural capital in a different light and to show how it can be helpful uh to look at nature in a different way or for those people who need it quantified to mm. quantify it, not just as in taking down the trees and it'll give you a hundred dollars, but taking down the trees. Sure. You'll get a hundred dollars. What are the, what's on the other side of the column? What have you taken away in terms of, of carbon capture in terms of the well-being of people and so forth. So, so then we started to get that um, uh, discipline through mm. our project and the thing about nature quote unquote big capital n whatever you want to call it is it's complicated so mm. once you start looking 
at one little thing like, oh, planting trees, then you're like, wait, hold on. There's all this other stuff that we got to think about. And then through fortuitous use of social media, I I learned about this chap, David Satori, who has a an NGO called Rewilding Mycology, and he's a fungus a mycology expert. So I said, hey, would you like to do a survey of what mushrooms are? Mushrooms, not fungus, mycology, different, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, you know, and you want to do it. So, so then learning all about how important uh, uh, fungus are to growing trees, to growing plants in general and so forth. So even that then got built into the mix. And of course, because nature is not just plants and animals, it's also people, including community in that. And um, for me, what's what one of the things that's really important to me is um, opening nature or making nature accessible to people mm-hmm. who think that it's not for them. So mm-hmm. people who live in cities and don't get up there, don't have the opportunity to get, get up there and who believe it, that that being out in the, in the wild is just for rich white people. Mm-hmm. And that to me is no, because it's nature is for everybody. Yeah. Um, if we are, we're all part of it, we all need it. We all need to have access to it. So that's that's another that's a part of our project as well. Wow. Um, so 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 we're trying, and we're trying to be as transparent as we can um, with the project on our website. Um, it's you know we we have the reports that 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 ACOM has put together over the last four, four years or so. And, uh, you know, we, we, because we want it to be others to learn from us. Um, and you, you know, we, we want to try different things and see what works, see what doesn't see what can work on a small scale, see what can work on a bigger scale. You know, it's, it's, we're just trying. So we want Hmm. to, Wow. Try the best we can. And then that to us means a, a variety of things. Mm, I love it. And I've and I've, I've looked at your Instagram. Your Instagram page has got like little frogs and, and all sorts of you yeah. know, great little great little fungus or mushies, you know, great little toadstools. And it's actually yeah. really beautiful. Um, the, the, you know, you're actually documenting it really well on Instagram, you know, all the beautiful little things that are, that are part of that Um Oh, forest. What do you call it? Forest, woodlands. What do you, what, what's Yeah, it? yeah, forest. forest. Forest, the woodland, yeah. forest. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. absolutely beautiful. So, if you, do you, because you, what we say is, um, if we all plant forests, I had Prasidi Singh on. Uh, she's a 10 year old girl in, in, in yes. India. And she's planted, oh, I think a hundred micro forests, you know, and she's doing so. Listen to that. Time. Oh, she's just amazing. So what what do you do you think? Um, because I hear you talking about it in a more complicated way. You know, you, you can't just go planting trees. But if we if we if there were more people and I'm and I'm thinking carefully doing it, you know, like creating all these microforests and doing it in a way that's it's more calculated than just slamming a bunch of trees in into the ground, you know, really thinking about how yeah. is how is it affecting? And, and we're not all going to have access to the experts that you're, you've got access access to. And it's probably better to have trees in than not have trees in. But still, it's good if we can do it in a considered way and actually learn about the environment while we're doing. What do you think the long term impact would be on the planet if if more people took up 
doing this kind of thing? Oh, I, I think that it's critical. We need biodiversity. We need mm. more spaces for biodiversity. So planting trees is a great way. And the thing is, you know, in many places, you will have access to people who know what kind of trees and plants need to grow in that area. Mm. He, they may even remember that those trees and plants were there before yeah. whatever else came or before they were cut down and so forth. Yeah. So absolutely, we we need that. But I think every one of us can do some rewilding. Even mm. if you live in the suburbs and you have access to a garden, if you have a garden, you can make that garden more wild where you can create more biodiversity in your house, in your yeah. backyard. Just make it more messy. Let it be. Let let it be. You don't need grass to be however many inches tall and centimeters, whatever. You know, and you have everything in an orderly fashion. That's a, a really classist, uh, you know, some a, a classist aspirational thing that we mm. got from leftover kings and queens. You know <laughs> that 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 we've decided that we've all we're all adopting. But you know, make your make your 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 space messy. Give animals ch and insects and other plants and mushrooms and so forth. Give them a chance to exist. If we all did that. Because so many of us live in a space that's like a suburban space or that has a garden and so forth. Many of us also don't. So, but if we have that access, let's do it. Yeah. And it would be fantastic. It would be yeah. fantastic. And it would actually connect us more to, to nature. It would make us learn about our own surroundings a bit more because we might have a, a, a neglected forest, patch of forest somewhere nearby that we just don't know about. And if somebody's, you know, listening to this and say, wait a second, well, maybe we do have something like that around here, mm -hmm. um, you know, go and find out about it. And I think that would make uh, a, a tremendous difference Yeah. Uh, because, uh, yes, you know, we need large scale stuff, but we also need small scale stuff because the small scale stuff pushes the big scale stuff to happen. Yeah. Um, and I think it, it is really important to think about what kinds of trees and plants you're going to you're going to plant um, if you can. Um, but you don't have to get super scientific -y about it. You know, mm. you don't you don't have to. Yeah. You know, you can do do what you can. Mm. Um, and uh, and sometimes do what you can can sometimes really be do nothing. Just yeah. let 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 things be a bit wild. Yeah. You know, or pick three quarters of your space that's going to be really wild. And then you cut out a patch that's going to be less wild for you. I mean, I don't know. In Australia, you might have a di different considerations for all the... Oh, well, we've got, all, we've got, the, we've got snake all the critters. We've got snake all the critters, considerations. Uh, so, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's easy for me to say that in the UK where we, you know, we have adders and they're like, yeah, I don't want to hang out with you. No, no, no. We can, in the summer, in the summer, we don't have wild, um, wild grass growing because you don't want to step on a snake as you're going out to the shed to get hay for the cows. But, but um, we've yeah. got we've got um lots of uh, little gardens. When I say little, they're quite big gardens, you know. And and they they kind of just grow wild. We just keep them tidy, like we don't. They're not manicured. We just make sure pull the weeds and you know just stuff. But we've got one of them. <laughs> 
and it's full of funnel web spiders. It's like the, the whole mound is a is an underground funnel web spider city. Probably that would freak the shit out of most people, but we're just like, well, we'll just leave them alone. They're fine. They're not actually doing anything, you know, just don't if, step in. If you we- can do that, exactly. Don't step in. And then you just you do have to you do have to learn the environment that you're in. You're like, okay, well, that's the part. That's the scary part that we're not going to go to. We're going to have a little path here and we'll, you know, use the uh, space. No, we that's walk for the in spiders. It. We walk in it all the time. <laughs> we're, we're always in it. And then we see them and they pop out and then they were like, we're like, you go back in your hole, little. Sp-. They're not little. They're big, bloody spiders. Oh, God. <laughs> But you know what? It is what it is. But uh, we don't want we don't want snakes. And the only reason we don't want snakes, we, we you can't kill them. There's a bloody huge fine over here anyway for killing snakes. Yeah. But we need snakes. We need snakes to clean up yeah. the mice and the whole the whole ecosystem. But um, yeah, absolutely, we just don't want a snake biting a dog. You know, so we 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 yeah, definitely no, I, I, keep the yard yeah. in the but. But I absolutely love this conversation and I just love, you know, I just, I, I love, I, I love all of it. I love the kindness to animals. I love the fact that we're talking about everything's um, connected, you know, that we've got to take care of each other. We've got to take care of the planet. We've got to, uh, you know, I think that humans have become too human, just too, too um too dominant, you know, and just just trying to control everything. And I think we just need to learn our place a little bit better and say, you know, we, we are just one part, just one part of the whole existence. We're not the, we're not the big part. We're not the main part. We're not the we're not the bloody you know the big show at halftime. We we are. Oh, you don't know what I'm talking about. We just had our no no I do the ah, halftime like the NFL do. football. Yeah yeah, yeah that's, that's it. That thing. Yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's it. But it's um you know we've got to we've got to pull back and go. Yeah. I, we need to coexist. We need to coexist, and we need to do it in a peaceful and kind way. And you know and and be considerate to other people and other other living beings and just be considerate you know even considerate in nature you know don't leave only your footprints take only pictures that's it end of story and don't screw it up but absolutely absolutely i mean it, it would be yes i mean to think a little bit more collectively wouldn't be a bad thing Yep, I agree. I agree. Well, I absolutely love this. Now, where can people find you? Where's the best place? I mean, I'm going to put all all your links in the show notes anyway so that people can go look at all your uh, Instagram and everything else. But um, if they just want to find you quickly and find all the offshoots, where are we going? Uh, yeah, uh, actually, my my website called Emmy's Good Eating, so E-M-I-S, Good Eating, um, dot com. Uh, you, that uh, that has everything, and that's also my social media. So on Instagram, that's my 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 um, the Instagram that I'm most active in. Um, so you can definitely find find me there. Like any events that I'm doing, all of that stuff is on Emmy's Good Eating. I will then, you know, I then put it also on ThinkLikeAVegan.com mm-hmm. and so forth. Um, uh, but definitely that's uh, that that is like the central point that has also the most stuff. And I'm also most active because then when you know, when you have too many sites, you tend to gravitate to one to be more active than than the others. Uh, um, I do the same. That's, a, that's a good place. Yeah, I know. There's so many. There's so much. 
It's really hard, isn't it? Because they've got to sort of stay separate, but then you're kind of like, oh, should I post it on there? Now I should put it on there. And now I um, I better put it on there. I know I, I, I do exactly the same. But... I know, you know, you and then, yeah, I mean, you try to have different things, but, you know, you only have so many hours in the day. A hundred percent. And we're not going, we're, we're too, we want to be out there making um, uh, forests. We don't really want to be making social media too much, but we do, we do want to be getting people on board. But I've, I've absolutely totally. loved this conversation with you. Oh, and, and can people get Think Like a Vegan book uh, through your website? Or, or... Uh, they can get it at their favorite bookshop. Um, just go into your bookshop and order it. And there it is. Um, they'll, they, it'll, it'll arrive. Um, and you can get it on Audible as well. Uh, and you can get it as an ebook also. And uh, what else? Um, on on, yeah, on all or, the platforms. Uh, all the all the online platforms. Yeah, yeah it's 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 available, uh, available anywhere. Um, and yeah, I, this has been delightful. I have had such a fantastic time. Thank you so much. Me too. It's always always nitty gritty conversation, but I love it. <laughs> absolutely love it. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, stay in touch, and um, we'll catch up with you soon. Thank you. Thank you again. Okay. See ya. Oh, guys, that was absolutely fantastic. And um, sorry if we got a little bit too harsh there, but I tell you what, it, it's we've got to know the truth. We've got to know what really happens. We've got to actually pull our fucking heads out of our asses and be nice to everybody. And I mean, when I say nice, I mean kind. We've just got to be kind to animals. We've got to be kind to the planet. We've got to be kind to each other. Um, sometimes I think that we just, exactly like Amelia's book, the you know think like a vegan just the the whole think concept like let's not just take things for granted and let's just not sort of um you know just 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 take because it's there Let, let's think about where does this come from and and how can I do it differently and what what impact is this having if I buy this or if I do that anyway you know what I mean I absolutely loved it. I love about her um, rewilding the Birchfield Highlands in Scotland. And as she said, you know, at first I was like, oh, no, there's so much scientific stuff and we've got to get it right because I was all for let's just plant a forest. But, you know, Amelia did say, yeah, just plant the bloody trees because it's better than not planting them. So if you're thinking about, you know, what should I do? Should I should I plant more trees? You know, how does that help the planet it really really does so if you're thinking about that um do it and do it with your kids if you've got kids and teach them about the planet anyway that's it i'm going to stop talking because that was a long episode thank you very much for joining me um uh, by the way go follow amelia and uh her website is misgoodeating.com but i'll put it all in the show notes so please go and follow her on all of her platforms all righty thanks for joining me I'll see you next week. See ya. Thanks for joining me. As always, I hope this episode inspired you. If you know somebody who's taken courageous action to create something that's making a difference for other people, let me know about it. Go to my website, karenvaughan.com. Tinker around there, have a bit of a look and send me a message. I can't wait to hear from you. And remember, you're worth it. Your unique talents and gifts need to be out in this world. And I'm so passionate about inspiring you to achieve that. So you've listened to this episode. Just say yes, make the decision and put one foot in front of the other. See you next week.